0: I'm grateful to everyone who has chosen to be here today, gathered together with God's people, celebrating the great gift of love that was given to us, that was demonstrated to us when Jesus gave his life on that cross. What a wonderful, beautiful thing God has done for us, all of us sinners. Rebellious ones. I mean, he did it for us, gave us life as a gift, so that now no longer do we have to call ourselves sinners and rebellious, but ones who are saints, sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. That, my friends, is a wonderful gift, and that is what we're reminded of in the book of Romans. If you will, please be turning. To Romans chapter 8, and I'll encourage you to follow along with us on the outline that's in the Proclaimer. Um, for any of you who are, have accepted the challenge uh, to, to keep up with the church's reading, if you're doing some reading on your own and going through the scriptures, that's wonderful and good, but if you're keeping up with the, the church's schedule that we're doing together to finish the New Testament by the end of the year, we're preaching, uh, the, pre- the, the lessons that I'm giving now are always going to come from uh, the scriptures that we've, we've read in the, in the previous week. You read this passage from chapter, Romans chapter 8, and uh, we're going to be getting to, uh, we're really, this whole thing is building up to, we are more than conquerors, as the title of the sermon says, more than conquerors. But I found myself as working on this sermon, building, you know, what, what builds up to that in Romans? And Romans is a challenging book. For those of you who are reading, you're like, it's a, it's a challenging one to me. I see one smile at least. You know, it is, it's, it's perhaps, and we even discussed this on Friday morning down at Panorama, Panorama Apartments, it, it's perhaps the most challenging book, most, uh, the one that's hardest to read in the New Testament. Um, it's a challenge. It's fun, <laughs> and I found myself. I kept wanting to go back to earlier stuff as we were preparing for this sermon. Jerry and I talking together and, and planning this, and I kept wanting to go back. and Jerry told me he said if you if you try and go back and explain this whole book, you're you're not going to get done with this sermon. Oh you know what I, I I realize I'm a rebellious person because now I've accepted that challenge and what I was told I can't do. I've tried to do it today, Jerry. Jerry and I were like, I wonder what this sermon is going to be. We meet on Tuesdays and we discuss this and and get going on it and you usually have a really good sense of what the sermon's going to be and we just talked about so many things, right? He was like, "Well, I wonder what this is going to end up like." So I'm going to back up a little bit, and I found what what I've got is a it's a Snyder summary. Okay, I I can't give credit to anybody else for this, and I can't give the blame to anybody else for this. This is my simple summary of Romans chapters one through eight, and I and I think it's good to see that as we get to this more than conquerors, there is. That whole word and that whole thought, it's just, it's a powerful thought that we overwhelmingly conquer because we're in Jesus. And it's because we're in Jesus, it's, not, it's through Him who loved us that we can conquer. It's through Him who loved us that we can be something, be anything. It's only through Christ. And it's not of ourselves because we're just a bunch of dumb sinners. Rebellious sinners. Romans chapter 5 is very... And I don't even highlight Romans chapter 5, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We get no credit here. But we can be something great and something credible and wonderful for God if we would simply live for Jesus, live according to His Spirit. And I think that's important because the, the thought that's given in the... Um, the little blurb for this sermon is about, well, who can we, we, we think of others of great faith, and we think, well, why am, you know, sometimes we're challenged, why am I not like that? What's different between them and us? And the answer is, there's no difference. Except for maybe a mindset. And so today the challenge is to have a mindset for us to be determined that we are going to live according to the spirit that has been given to us. The spirit that we have received when we were immersed into Christ, we must decide and choose to live according to that spirit. And the word choose was even given today at this table. Jesus made that choice to do something great, and it was a very difficult decision, and it involved suffering. And we must also make a choice... What are we going to do? Are we going to live according to the way the Father has determined that we ought to live? Or are we going to do our own thing? So let's consider this. Let's, uh, let's look at Romans and a quick summary of chapters 1 through 8. And I put, pose it as, as two parts. And it's interwoven in a lot of ways. Back and forth between the bad news and the good news. And the bad news is, is that the wrath... Of God is revealed against all sinners. So it's very much a a book that's written addressing sinfulness. And it's very specific in a bunch of sins. Sinfulness, it's a bad thing because when we become a sinner, when we turn away from God, his wrath is going to be upon us. The wrath of God is revealed against all sinners. So point number one, some turn from God to be depraved sinners. To excuse me, some turn from God to become depraved sinners. You know, just, these are professional sinners. (laughs) These are the very bad folks. This is addressed in chapter 1, the latter part of chapter 1, verses 19 through 32. It talks about how bad sin can get. And I want to highlight verses 28 through uh, 32. Romans 1, 28 th- through 32. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, even though they should, they did know God, and that was pointed out earlier in this book, this verse, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, Evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give party approval to those who practice them a lengthy verse covering a gamut of sin and that is what people without God who have turned away from God they just become fully sinful so some turn from God to become depraved every form of depravity sinful and when they turn when when they do that, then they know that the, the result of that sin should be death. They are worthy of death. So that's, a, you know, and as, we, as we think about people who believe in God and those who don't believe in God, those who try to follow in some form or fashion the ways of God and those who just turn away from it, there's a tendency for the folks who believe in God then to look at the others and say, look at them. And we see that here. As we turn to chapter 2. I'll read chapter 2 verse number 1. It says, Therefore, you have no excuse. Everyone who passes judgment for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge, practice the same things. So here we come to the idea of hypocrisy. We've got those who are very sinful, and then you got those who, uh, have sore, some form of religion, but they're looking at the others and, and looking down upon them and seeing their sinfulness and saying how, look how bad they are. So here is a second category, another group that's, that has bad news upon them. So, and it says, even in the outline, even those who knew better or know better, they do some of the same things. So this is, we kind of get into the idea of, you know, back at the time this was written, you know, the Jews, they should have known better, but yet they were looking at the Gentiles saying, look how bad they are. Well, that same thought applies to us. But even those who know better, even those who had the law, or even those of us now who have Christ, we are still sinful. We were at some point in time very sinful. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 is the verse that I want to read to highlight kind of this section. And again, I'm you know, as I'm up here saying this and I'm talking about the outline I have before you, it's uh, it's simplified, probably over, overly simplified. But here's the point. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. The Gentiles, they they became very depraved, following their own ways, even though some of them might have known some of the good things and done some of the right things for God because God showed them that. Um, But also the Jews, they have gone their own way. They have sinned. They have fallen short of the glory of God. They deserve death. So even those who, so you just, it's bad news, bad news for everybody. It's bad news for the Jews, bad news for the Gentiles. And I think when we get to this next section, as you look on the outline, even Christians do things they do not want to do. So even Christians still sin. And I use the entire section for chapter 6, verse number 1 all the way to chapter 7, verse number 24, and it's this. it becomes more pointed towards the Christians in this section, in my opinion here. Um, look at chapter 7, verse number um, 14. And somewhere in there your Bible might have some kind of a heading. Mine has a heading that says, The Conflict of Two Natures. And I'll I'll start in verse number 14. It says, "For For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I the one who... One doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing that I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. You know this is a you're like you talk about a passage it's like man back and forth and it's it's like I'm two people and torn and it's flesh versus the the spirit and it's my mind versus the sinful desires it's kind of and it's a it's a struggle it's a pull within verse twenty one i want to continue to i want to get to a a, a, a verse well the verse number twenty five i want to get here to this Verse 21 says, I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. So, I'm, I'm sorry, let me read that again. Verse 21, I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind. And making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death. Thanks be to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God. But on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. And this idea that he says, you know, even even now, and and Paul is writing the present tense, and some say he's just using the present tense to make an emphasis. And it's a difficult passage that we've got here before us because Romans is difficult, okay? But this phrase caught my attention at the end of verse 25. He says, so then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God. He says that in the present tense also and he gives thanks in Jesus Christ in that same phrase. He's attributing to Jesus this ability that in his mind he is serving the law of God. But on the other hand, with my flesh, the law of sin. So he's acknowledging, yes, sometimes I do sin, but in my mind I am serving Christ. And he is going to give himself fully devoted to that. If you flash back... To Romans chapter 1, and verse number 9. To me, this is an important theological point, kind of uh, it fixes in my mind what he's talking about. And the struggle that we, even as Christians, face is a struggle that, that Paul faced. He says, in verse number 9, For God, whom I serve in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel, And the good news of his son, you know, is my witness. He uses this language as he's introducing himself. He's Even even in verse number 9, he's kind of setting up the whole theme to this book. Is that, yes, sometimes we fail and we do things according to the flesh. Sometimes we give in to temptation. Sometimes we sin. But our mind is given over to serving Jesus Christ. There's always going to be this constant pull within us that says, oh, you know, you don't, you don't have to do the right thing here. You can, you can sin on this occasion. It won't hurt anybody, anything. There's always going to be that constant pull, but we have to decide in our minds. And this goes back to the main point of the sermon is what are we going to To give ourselves to, what kind of mindset are we going to have? Are we going to give in to the flesh and the lusts of the flesh? Give in to hate and the desire to gossip, the the desire to do anything in that full list, to have envy, to invent evil, to have misunderstanding, to be unmerciful. Chapter 1 had that full list of sins, and we are prone to some of those things. Are we going to give in to those things? Are we going to have the mindset and choose, just as Jesus chose the cross, that we are going to choose to do the things of the Spirit, to serve the Spirit, to serve God? Are we going to follow the mind or follow the flesh and do what our body wants to do, the natural things, what we want to do? Which will it be? All right, so... The review of the bad news. It's basically everybody has sinned. It's some people completely just turn away from God, become very sinful. Um, Even those who claim to follow God, they have a tendency to do the very same things and become hypocritical and, and just look at others and say how sinful they are. But even Christians, we realize that we struggle with the flesh and sins come to us and we are tempted in diverse ways. So that's that's the bad news is that we all do sin. And the wrath of God then is due us. We all deserve death. That's a summary of chapters much of what is in chapters 1 through 8. But then the good news The good news is there is an answer to the sin. The good news is that there is somebody who died on a cross to satisfy the wrath of God. The good news is Jesus. And so in Romans uh, chapter 1 through 9 is mentioned the good news. For God whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel, the good news of his Son is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you always in my prayers. So Jesus is the answer. It's, it's, this is a, the simple summary of Romans. There's, we all have a problem with sin, but Jesus is the answer. Everyone has struggle, issues with sin. But Jesus is the answer. Chapter 1, verses um, uh, 15 and 16, he says, So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. So he's talking about the good news, the good news. I'm not ashamed of the good news, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek And then in verse 17, he talks about faith. The importance of faith. And it's faith in Jesus that is the answer to sin. Okay, so, a little bit of, uh, to make my point here, the good news about Jesus. The good news of him. First of all, everyone sinned. On the outline it says here, everyone sinned, but Jesus can justify anyone who has faith in him. I want to read um, chapter three and I want to read verses twenty one through twenty six and I you know there's other verses that go along with this, and I think all of chapter four and all of chapter five kind of support this. he's just saying Jesus is the answer and all of the difficult stuff that we wrestle through when we read through Romans it's Jesus is the answer and it's saying what is here what is found here in chapter twenty one verses Or chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested. It's been made known. Being witnesses by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. You know, so you just pause here. Everybody's sinful. But there is a righteousness that can be found in Christ. Do you have faith in Him? Do you really believe in Him? There is no distinction for all, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly, As a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his his righteousness at the present time. So that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So in other words, yeah, everybody's sinned, but if you can see this Jesus who died on the cross, the one who suffered, you know, the idea of propitiation, he's, that just simply means, we already mentioned the wrath of God, well, the wrath of God was satisfied through that sacrifice. Christ went to the cross because of your sins, because of my sins. What a beautiful, wonderful thing God has done for us. Do you believe it? Do you have faith in Him? Do you trust what we recognize here in the the taking of the bread and of the cup this morning? Do you really believe it? Does it affect your life? Faith is this idea that not only do I mentally give assent to it, but that I follow it every minute of every day. I have faith in it. It's what guides me. I now serve God and not myself anymore because of what Jesus did. That's the essence of the book of Romans. Okay, so so everyone sinned, but Jesus can justify anyone who has faith in him. Okay, and now moving down the outline. In Jesus Christ, and the words in Christ or in Jesus and faith in him is perfect paramount to this book. It's all through there. In Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God dwells in you. So it's through Christ, and now we have an answer. Now we have a hope. We're in and of ourselves. We're just sinners, but with Christ, now we're something different. And go to uh, go here to, to um, as you start looking through chapter 7 um, and into 8, It's this beautiful, well, the end of chapter 7 that we already started looking at. Verse 25, who's going to save me from this wretched body? This body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. It's him who saves us. You can't save yourself. It's him. We rely upon him. And so, um, in chapter 6 was mentioned baptism. You were baptized into Christ. Well, in chapter 8 now, we get another picture that when we're in Christ, we receive a spirit. The spirit of God dwells in you. And so now it starts to hit home with, well, the difference between those who are just sinners versus those who were sinners but are now saved, the spirit becomes a part of that. So in Jesus Christ, the spirit of God dwells in you. Look at chapter 8, verse number 9. To highlight this section, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed, notice that word, if, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. However, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Jesus is the connection. Jesus connects us with the very Spirit of God. So, under this idea of the Spirit of God dwelling in you, I've got five points here. Five points. If you live according to the Spirit, and that is the language of verse uh, number 13. Look at verse number 13. So. um and I'll read 12 with it to make sense of it. So then, brethren, we are not under obligation, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. If you're still sinful, you must die. But if, by the Spirit, you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So here's the choice. Here's the if. We talked about believing in Jesus. Well, if you believe in Jesus, if you have faith in Him, you also have faith that when you're immersed into Christ, that you receive the Spirit that is now dwelling in you, and you have a choice to live by it or not. For if you're living according to the flesh still, and we all know what that means because there are times that we choose, I know there are times that I choose, that I, I'm i just doing to do what I want. I know what God says, but I'd rather do this right now. And that is an awful thing. And that's what Paul talked about in chapter 7. And I, as soon as I do that, I'm like, I hate that. Why did I do that? Do the very things I don't want to do. It's awful. But I've got to choose to live by the Spirit. And if I live according to that Spirit then you are, point number one, you are putting to death the deeds of the flesh or the deeds of the body. This is our lifelong goal, is to continue putting the deeds of the body to death. And to think of it another way, I think of it as we are sinning less and less as we go through life, as we grow and mature in Christ. And... The passage that I have here, and the only passage outside of the book of Romans that I want to turn to is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. And I think this kind it's the same thought, it's the same language that's used in Romans. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom. But we all with unveiled face Beholding us in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into His, into the same image, from glory to glory. Um, justice from the Lord, the Spirit. So here we are, we can see Jesus. We know Jesus, we look at Him, we talk about Him, we preach about Him, we discuss Him, and we know who Jesus is. And God's work in our lives is not for us to continue in sin, but to look at Jesus. And as we go through this life, we are becoming more and more like Jesus, being transformed into His image. We are looking like Him more and more all the time. And that we all should say, we should be able to look at our lives and say, you know what, I know I still mess up at times, but praise be to God, I am looking more and more like Jesus. I look back at myself, look at what I was when I was 20. Look at what I was and how I thought and the way I lived and how I looked at other people when I was 30. And here I and even back when I was 40, man, I was still so immature in other it's this way or that way, but now I'm 48. And now I'm I'm more I'm born more, more like Jesus. And I want to be more and more like Jesus. I want to be transformed into His image, His likeness. I'm never going to be Jesus, but someday, I'll, Scripture says, I'll be made like Him. On that final day, I'll be made like Him. And the question is, am I choosing that? If I am living according to that spirit and I check all things, I'll get to know Jesus by looking at this book, reading about him and saying that's who Jesus is. And I'm drawn to this book because here I find Jesus and I'm drawn to other Christians who resemble Jesus because I see Christ in them. And I, I want to learn more and more about him and be like him. Are you drawn to that? Are you seeking that? Are you searching after him? Or are you more like the, the second group that we mentioned in the sinful ones, who just simply look at other sinful people in the world who don't even who completely reject God, and you're just like, well, I'm better than them. That's fine, you know. We're satisfied. We become satisfied with that. Well, they're surely going to hell, and I'm not that bad, so I'm probably. That's what the world does. Are you a good person? Well, I'm a good person, so I'm probably going to go to heaven. How do you know you're a good person? Well, um. Hitler was worse than me, so he's going to go to hell, but I'm better than him, so I'm going to be saved. Well, that's crazy stuff. That's how the world, that's the thinking of the flesh. That's how we need to repent. We need to change our thinking. That's what, if you want to be more than a conqueror, and that's what God says we are, that is what we're called to be, we must be dedicated to living according to the Spirit. And we've got to put away the sinful things. And desire to be like Christ. Letting that spirit live in us. And it's the challenge of our entire life. It doesn't happen all in a moment. I think Jesus justifies us and makes us ready for heaven in a moment. And no matter where we're at growing and maturing in Christ. If we're growing and maturing in Christ. If we're dedicated to living according to the spirit. Even when we're not doing it perfectly Yet. We never will be until the day of Christ. If we're growing, learning, dedicated, seeking Him, then we are putting to death the deeds of the body. We're sinning less and less. We're becoming more and more like Jesus. Changed into His image from glory to glory. Or ever-increasing glory. So where is your mind? What are you thinking about? Who are you becoming? So if you're living according to the Spirit, you will be putting to death the deeds of the body. You're dedicated to it all day, every day, and you're getting better and better at it as time goes on. So that's the crux of the lesson, I think. And the point of chapter 8, Then we're going to read that ending in a second, is... And you can do it, and you will do it, and you'll do it in a wonderful way through Christ Jesus. All right, so the other points uh, in the Spirit, if you, if, and notice I've capitalized the word if in here, if, and that's just the word from Scripture. I didn't choose that word, it's in Scripture in chapter 8 several times. If you live according to the Spirit, then you're putting to death the deeds of the body. Number two, you have la- life. Chapter 8, verse 13, I think it's also in chapter um, chapter 8, verse number 6, Or oh, it's in there, okay? You have life and peace, you know, that's what we want, we want life. Live according to the Spirit if you want life. Choose to do that. And if you live according to the Spirit, you are a son of God, verse number 14. You are a son of God. Um, let me read that verse, and I want to read verse 15 also with it right now. Um, and I'm in 2 Corinthians, who did that to me? Nobody here to blame but myself. All right, verse uh, number, chapter 8, verse, verses um, 14 and then 15. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So if you're not allowing yourself to be led by the Spirit, if, then you are not really a son of God. You're not living like a son of God right now, but start living like it and you'll be the son of God instantly if you've already been immersed into him. Verse 15, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading again to fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And I have to point this one out. It's two words there, Abba, Father. That word, Abba, <laughs> simply as you listen to it, Abba. Abba, abba, abba. Sounds like a baby talking, doesn't it? And that's where it comes from. A baby. Say it's the some of the first words. It's either mama or daddy for us, right? Or papa. You know, it's it's a baby crying out to just calling and seeing and recognizing mom or dad. And it's that close, personal, it's not, a baby doesn't. First the worst first words that come out of the mouth are Hello Father. You know, that's not it's Abba. It's Papa. It's dad That's what this word is. It is akin to that close relationship as we look to you know when you're when you hear your own son saying it, you hear dad or mama, it's like, oh my baby he said my name first, you know. <laughs> we love it. We're, we're drawn to it. And it's just, oh man, it's that, it's that personal, tender, loving, personal, close affection. That's what our Father is to us. He's our Abba. I remember, oh, i got to quit talking. To him. I'd love to have more time on this one. And Jerry was right, by the way, right? I couldn't condense all this in one sermon because I'm at the end of my time. But man, it's, if, you, if you live according to the Spirit, then you've got somebody to turn to in heaven and say, Abba, just like Jesus did. Abba, it's such a close personal relationship. It's not, our Father, which art in heaven, which are fine words. Those are great words. He is our Father. But He's also, oh, our tender, loving Daddy. He cares for us so. And because He's our Daddy, we have an inheritance. And notice at the end that talking about that inheritance, it says, if indeed we suffer. And that is verse 17. It says, and children, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. If, if you suffer, and we do suffer. And that's my last, last point um, to, to, to go on into the, the next part of this. The latter part, verses 18 of chapter 8, following to the end, we do suffer. And you can see on the outline there, it says, we suffer the corruption of sin. Everything in this world that's bad, it's the result of sin. God didn't make it bad. It's because of sinfulness. We suffer the corruption of sin. Chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. We suffer weaknesses. You know, failings and just, we know who we're not supposed to be and what we need to be, but weaknesses chapter 8 verse 26 we we suffer from having accusers and enemies the satan is satan is the greatest one of all satan means adversary he's the accuser chapter 8 verses 33 and 35 kind of reference enemies and persecution and accusations and we're going to read all that in just a second and we also suffer physical and emotional troubles and by the way that having enemies, Christians, man, if we're spreading the gospel because we're following Jesus and doing what Jesus did, we're going to have enemies. We're going to be persecuted. And then physical and emotional troubles, we deal with them all the day long, won't we? And it, there's a reference to particularly in chapter 8, verse 35. And last week we talked about the storms of life and we acknowledge that, how difficult life can be sometimes and we give up hope. But now we get this message, but in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so I'm going to read the, I'm going to end with the reading of verses 31 through 39. But right now I just want to challenge you as you hear these words is to consider what sins Believers out here I want if you're a Christian if you claim to have life in him, if you want to go to heaven and have that inheritance, then consider this what sins need put to death as you choose to live according to the spirit you received when you were baptized into Christ so we can't live according to sinful the sinful ways of the world if we do we lose our inheritance we lose Christ and the Spirit of God is not in us. But if you have that Spirit, put to death the sins that, that are part of the body. And if you're not a Christian, I want to I ask you to consider gaining life and gaining a dear, loved, wonderful Father in heaven through believing and obeying Jesus Christ. Become more than a conqueror through Him who loved you. And here is the reading of Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. And I just implore you to choose to live according to the Spirit so that you can be like great men and women of faith all through history and as recorded here in the Scripture. You can be that. That's what God wants in you and actually demands to be through you. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all how will he not also with him freely give us all things who will bring a charge against God's elect God is the one who justifies who is the one who condemns Jesus Christ Jesus is the one who died yes rather who was raised who is at the right of God right hand of God who also intercedes for us Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all the day long. For we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Be more than a conqueror. Overcome all these things. Overcome sin Overcome any trials and difficulties of life through Jesus Christ. If you need Him or you need to respond in any way, please come today as we stand together and sing. When my Savior